Thanks for joining us. We love getting to share the message of God's grace with the entire world. If his message has impacted your life, would you share your testimony with us by emailing it to stories at graceorlando.com. We love to hear what God is up to. You can also give in support of this ministry by going to our website and clicking on the Give button at graceorlando.com. Thanks again. Hey, uh, I hope you're enjoying this series. This series is uh, challenging me to think things differently, to see things differently. I hope that's what you're feeling too, is, is to look at everything differently that's going on right now out in the world today. Uh, I say all that to say that uh, it's one of those insecure sermons you have to trust God with because honestly, it's, it's such a concept lost in our culture that, that I have the insecurity that I can preach this. You can hear words, walk out and go, okay, I don't understand any of that and, and don't put it to practice, okay? So I'm saying all that to say, let the Lord speak to you about this today, not Pastor Javen, okay? I really want you to be convinced of how powerful meekness is, Okay. I don't know if you hear the word meekness and your first thought is, oh, that's strength, that's power, right? Uh, I was once in a weight training class. Anybody in high school do weight training? I know some of us probably did. Uh, I, I uh, did. I was 135 pounds, okay? I was a stick. Uh, and and I, I bench pressed 135 pounds at the end of the year. Like, I bench pressed my own weight. Like, I mean, I'm not an ant, okay? But I felt pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, I, my, my coach came over and he says, okay, you've been working hard all year round. This is what you're going to show me. And he literally called the entire class around and laughed at me because that's all you're going to lift, you know? So our culture doesn't like meekness or weakness. We, we, we associate these things together. And I, I want to show you today that unlike my weight training class in high school, uh, you are very strong, okay? And what you have within you is everything that you need to deal with the world today, okay? You have all that you need to not only just deal with it, but to succeed and to thrive in this world out there today. All right, and it comes to this idea of humility we've been talking about. So just to brush up your memory in case you missed the past couple of weeks, we've talked about repentance, okay? Not feeling bad, not, not, not groveling before God in some kind of sorrow, but going to him, tasting and seeing that he is good, like changing your mind, repenting, seeing things the way he does things because it's always going to be better, okay? So repentance, metanoia. We've talked about tapanaf, rasune, or whatnot. It's, it's a big old long word, and it means humility, right? This word humility, I love this because what it essentially means is being fully dependent on God. Well, as children, you know, you at one point in time, you remember being fully dependent upon somebody, right, for a ride or for anything, you know? Well, we're fully dependent upon him, but I love that there's another aspect of this word humility, and it is that you would see yourself the way God sees you, like you see yourself as who you really are. So it's not that you think super low of yourself and that you're just going to crawl across the ground. It's that you walk with a little bit of an understanding of who I am. Like, I'm humble. I don't need to be anything other than humble because, God, you are big in me. You're big through me. You're big. You're a big God. That's humility. So today I want to talk about this idea of meekness and meekness not being a weakness. So in Ephesians 4, through 24, we read this, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which is in the likeness of God. Now catch that. It's in the likeness of God and has been created in righteousness and holiness and truth. In this one-time event, you took off something. We talked about this last week. You took off the old man. You put something on that was a one-time experience. And then there's an ongoing experience of repentance throughout the course of our life where we see things the way they actually are versus the way they certainly feel sometimes. We, we, we don't see things that way. We set our minds in a different place. But he says something in here. He says there's these lusts of deceit. 
right? There are these things that we want, that we crave, that our, our minds tell us that you need that, right? You're a doormat because you don't have that, right? That happened to you, that's lust of deceit. It's, you're being deceived to see things through the lens of lust instead of seeing things through faith, seeing things through him. We live in a country where this is going to be very, very difficult for us to see. You remember when Jesus told the rich young ruler, he said, you know, uh, to get into the kingdom of heaven, for some people here, it's going to be like a camel going through the eye of a needle, like it's impossible is what the disciples said. Well, here we are, a bunch of rich young rulers <laughs> living in a country of a bunch of wealth where pride is something that we actually think is a good thing. We, we, we think it's an attribute we should all have. We have entire par parades based on pride, right? This idea that we should be proud of who we are and what we are and all these different things. We live in an ex existence of pride. And, and here's the problem, is that pride will do nothing for you. It will bring you nothing but misery on this planet. It's, it's your natural reaction to this planet, in fact. And we say things like, knowledge is power. <laughs> knowledge is power, we say. Oh, and it is power. But it's not the power that you want. We want humility and this quiet strength that God has given us. And I want to show it to you today. Look at this. Proverbs 16.32 he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. <laughs> oh, man, I, my weight training days didn't pay off, okay? But I, I'm slow to anger, thanks to the Lord, right? Thanks to Proverbs here that, that did me better. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. James 4.10 says it this way, humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Yeah, but Javen, what if I lose my job? It doesn't matter. What if your boss hates you? It doesn't matter. What, there, nobody has control over you. They may have control over aspects of your life or whatever, but you, do you know whose you are? You're his. You're a child of the king. You don't have to puff up with pride or in hurt or in anger. You can walk in meekness and gentleness, and you can walk in this way and watch as God exalts you. Why? Because you died. So that means that all of your successes are for his glory. And all of your weaknesses or all of your failures are just opportunities for his uh, humility, for his meekness to be strong in you. It's a chance to see what God can do. Look at what he says, James 4, 6. He gives a greater grace. Therefore, God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Did you know that he also gives grace to prideful people? They just don't take it. They don't they resist it. So that's why there's this opposition he gives grace to, to the humble. We receive it. We say, Lord, I, I want to exist off of your favor, not the favor of my boss, not the favor of what man can give me, but, Lord, off of what you give me. This is where I will live. This is where I'll walk. So let's talk about this word meekness. Here's this word. It comes from this Greek word, prowess. Meekness. It's a combination of gentleness and strength. It's a combination of gentleness and strength. All right, I want to give you a picture. I don't know if you've ever ridden a horse before. Who's ridden a horse? A lot of us here. Okay, awesome. All right, as you know, uh, horses do what they want to do. Anybody can give, give me an amen, okay? Like, you, you, you paid the money, you sat on the horse, and you're like, why did I do this? Like, this thing will do nothing, you know? You kick it, you whip it, you do whatever. I know some horse people are going to call me. Listen, you do the things you're supposed to do, right? And the thing doesn't move. It just sits there. A beast of muscle. It's all it is. It's so strong. You know, and then the trainer comes by, right? She comes riding up next to you, and she's like, what's wrong, you know? They have relationships. She has a relationship with all the horses, you know? And, and it's funny that this horse that she's driving will let itself be steered by a little bit in its mouth. This big old muscular horse 
is saying, I'll let you drive. <laughs> what? If you were a horse, would you let a human drive? No way. Have you seen I-4? No, that's crazy. No, but, but horses, they say, based off of this bit, I'll, I'll let you steer, right? It's a willingness. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an act of their will. So what this meekness really looks like, if you want to write this down, it is strength under control. That is what it looks like. It's strength under control. It's not that you're weak. It's that you're under control. You have self-control. You are being led by the Spirit, not by emotions and the world and pressures and stresses and all that. No, it's the Spirit who guides me. I can live in this place of quiet strength where the Lord guides me. He steers me. Jesus said this was going to look a whole lot different. Matthew 23, 11, he goes, look, the greatest among you will be your servant. I don't know if you've ever had somebody exemplify this for you. My brother was this way, Robert. He really showed me Jesus by his humility and his meekness, by allowing me, by, by, by getting out of the way. He just literally didn't seem like anything stressed him out or bothered him at all. It was God at work in his life, providing for him and showing him. And it showed me, Rob, you, you're the greatest in the kingdom. It's like you just wanted to say that because of how he acted. If you've never met someone like that, be that person. It's great. <laughs> you know, let me show you an example of what that looks like. Jesus on the cross. You know, Jesus was the most secure person who has ever been on this planet. To the point that he was naked on a cross, having done nothing, and didn't once fight anybody over it. <laughs> You know, they said to him, they said, if, if you're so powerful, why don't you climb up off of that cross? Yeah, he, he could have, couldn't he? They, they, they slapped him and they said, why don't you tell us who slapped you? He could have, couldn't he? <laughs> they spat on him. They, they did all these things to try to humiliate him and make him feel like the most humiliated person on the planet. Maybe you've had someone try to do that to you, and Jesus could have felt that way and didn't. Do you know Why? It's because he loved all of us so much. He, his love for us was so much greater than all of that. He, from this humble place, he could see with a clear view how God views each and every single one of us. And he loves us. Meekness will cause you to do some things that look weird to the world, look like the world may be taking advantage of you or treating you like a doormat. And yet, if you're being led by God, you, you won't have any fears at all. <laughs> you won't have any concerns at all because you will see power that is perfected in weakness. In our weakest places, it is God's greatest opportunity for humility to be strong in us. Pride is what keeps us in that place of wondering, well, God, what are you, what's taking so long? Why am, I, why am I feeling like a doormat? Well, maybe it's that we need to go sit with our, our dad and humble ourselves. I, I had this moment, I don't know if you've ever had these moments where we don't like what God says to us. You ever had God say something to you and you just resist it? It's not like it's bad or anything, it's just that we don't like it. You know, I was leading worship this one time, and I know what you're thinking. Worship leaders are always just so focused on God, you know, because we're worship leaders. Well, in this time, I was, I was like in college, and I was leading over here at UCF for a small gathering, and there was this real pretty girl in the front row, you know, and, and, uh, and so I, uh, she paled in comparison to Brooke. This is before Brooke. But uh, anyway, so just to be clear, just to be clear. Uh, and I remember thinking, I'm, I'm playing this song, you know, and I'm singing words, and so I can hear myself sing, I can hear my own voice, and I can see this girl in the front row, and she can sing, and she sounds great, and I'm thinking in my head, man, she can sing really good, she sounds great. And all of a sudden, this voice shows up and says, your heart belongs to me. I knew whose voice it was. Oh, I knew right there whose voice that was, and I'm like, no, 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 I, I don't want to think about Brooke someday that's coming. There's a blonde right here. God's saying, listen, trust me, man, trust me, right? 
Like, this is humility. It's saying, God, not what I think and see and feel and all of that, but Lord, let me trust you, even if I don't like the answer, even if I think that answer stinks. <laughs> Lord, I'm going to trust that that actually, you have my best interest in mind. You know what's coming. You know what my life can look like if I will humble myself. You know, we're the most, we're living in this time where we're the most prideful people. We've become experts on everything, all of us, myself included. I'm an expert. I hope you are too, right? We all have the resources. We have the YouTube videos. We can all be experts now, right? And pride puffs us up. We, we, we have an expert opinion on our lives. We have an expert opinion on, on our own opinions. We have an expert opinion on everything. And yet, we're some of the most miserable people I've ever met. <laughs> some of the most depressed, miserable, angry, disturbed people I've ever met. So apparently, all of that knowledge isn't worth a whole lot. That knowledge must not be what Scripture's pointing us to when it says that there is a knowledge that we can rest in. <laughs> You know, we're seated in a kingdom where his ways are higher, where we're not struggling with sin anymore. We're not, we're not battling things in the way that we used to. Look at what Romans 6, 7 says. It says that he who has died is freed from sin. We see areas of weakness that are opportunities for humility. When this pandemic hit, you know, as a pastor, I'm going to tell you right now, this was not in my training manual. Like, it wasn't in there for, like, how to navigate a pandemic. And I can tell you, I didn't even know we'd ever face a pandemic. I'm going to be the first to say it. I'm going to humbly say, I guess I'm kind of an idiot. I just never thought we'd see a pandemic. I just never thought about it. And I remember when this all happened, you know, we're all doing our best. We're all trying to figure out what's going on. And I had a pastor friend. He hit up Facebook. Not a pastor friend. He was a friend of mine attacking pastors. And he just ripped into us. You know, nothing like coming home after a Sunday church of glorifying the Lord and putting up Facebook and going, oh, my gosh, I'm the worst, you know. And he just went after us, you know, and just how you should have known better. And you are in jeopardizing people's health and all of this stuff. Let me tell you something. It really put me in a bad space. <laughs> Because I sat there thinking, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I don't know what we're doing either. I don't even know. Is this really a pandemic? We don't even know it's real anymore anyway, you know? <laughs> we're living in a crazy place. And all I could think of is, is all of this ranting, all of this anger, all of this stuff that came from a place where he was at unrest, okay? The world is out of control, and he just went ahead and blasted everybody on Facebook. Do you know he changed zero minds? Not one person probably changed their mind. I didn't. And that's for sure. But humility draws people in. Humility would have brought me into a conversation where I would have heard something there, right? And you're this way too. We're not going to change the world by yelling at it. We're not going to change the world by being angry with it. We're not going to change the world probably really at all. God is going to change the world. <laughs> we're going to get out of the way. And we're just going to be humble people offering love and watch us what he does. Listen to what Jesus said about this world. Matthew 11, all things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal to him. Now listen to this. Come to me, who all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I am gentle and I am humble in heart. There's that meekness. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is for your rest. What is it about this earth that's driving you crazy? You can come sit with your pastor, and I'll try to encourage you. You can, you can go sit with a neighbor, maybe, or a friend or a family member, and they'll try to encourage you and, and, and give you something. But you know what they can't offer you? You know what I can't offer you? Rest. <laughs> I can teach you. I can show you things. I can pray for you. But I can't actually supernaturally create rest for you. <laughs> you know who can? 
The one who says, come to me, sit with me, and you're going to learn something. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit, we need to learn. We need to sit with God and learn. We need to humble ourselves enough to say, yes, even as an American, I need to learn something. I need to sit down and learn. Lord, teach me. H how do I walk the way you did, where you saw the distresses and the things of the day, and yet you didn't let them phase you? You, you were able to see that. Let me learn from you. Sit with your dad. Go to him. Learn. What, is, what does God want to reveal to you? Look at what he shows us in 2 Corinthians 12. He reveals this, that his grace is sufficient for you, that power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. In our prideful culture, how often do you go around just saying, hey, can I catch your ear for a second? I need to boast about my weakness. <laughs> I benched 135 pounds, y'all. <laughs> hey, thanks, yeah. Whatever, I probably can't even do it now, but anyway. <laughs> How often do we do that? How often do we go around and just say, like, man, I blew it yesterday. Like, I needed a Snickers big time, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> no, we'd rather put our masks on, right? The, the metaphorical ones in this case. We'd rather walk around and, and kind of pretend everything's fine, right? That's not humility, that's pride. And it's going to kill you. It's going to leave you out in the line. You're going to start saying things like, man, I'm alone. I feel like nobody sees me. It's because you don't let anybody see you. Take the mask off. Walk in humility, knowing that your father loves you. He created you. He, he sees you. He thinks you're great. Walk with him and watch what happens. We boast about our weakness, so the power of Christ will dwell in us. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, distresses, persecutions, difficulties. Hello, coronavirus. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. When we find weaknesses, remember, pride will not solve your weakness. <laughs> pride will only make it worse. Humble yourself before the Lord. Listen to this. Peter, I'm going to read you all some scriptures here. Check this out. You've been called for a purpose. Christ also suffered for you, leaving to you an example for you to follow in his steps. Now listen, here's the example. He committed no sin, nor any deceit was found in his mouth. He was reviled, but did not revile in return. He suffered, and he offered no threats. He kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously. Does it sound like Jesus ever saw himself as a doormat? That he ever once saw himself as like, man, everybody's just walking all over me. No, in fact, he was that, and his attitude was to give. His attitude was to bless. His attitude was to, he saw the way God saw things. And this can be the way that you can be, too, where you can, you can experience all of these things and actually supernaturally, that's the key, not respond the way that the flesh would. You can respond in a spiritual manner. Look at what, like I said before, maybe we need to eat a Snickers. Here you go, Galatians 5.22. Maybe you need a snack on this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And here it is, gentleness and self-control. There's, there is your humility. There is your meekness. It's actually a fruit. You can eat it. You can enjoy it. It's meant for you. It's to help you. It's to help me, that's for sure. If we live by the Spirit. Now, now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. Okay, you may say to yourself, Javen, I hear what you're saying, but I still kind of crave some bad stuff. <laughs> Anybody? I kind of still crave to kind of go out and do some things. Or I find myself doing things that are bad. Okay, have you ever switched peanut butters? This is a really weird question. 
I know, that was totally blindsided you. Have you ever, you know, <laughs> peanut butter, right? There's different types. There's the good kind and the bad kind. If you don't know the difference, I'll give it to you real quick. Oil on top, good. No oil, bad. Okay, like that's my thing, okay? You can, you can have your own truth, I guess. But anyway, <laughs> the thing is, is like <laughs> the, the real peanut butter, I made a switch years ago to the oil base. You know, it takes a little extra work. You gotta mix it all up, put it upside down, all this kind of stuff. But when you eat it, it's so good. Like, it's so good, you guys. Go home today. You trusted me on the tiramisu. Trust me on the real peanut butter. I'm a, I'm, I wouldn't lead you wrong. Now, for a short period of time, I ran out of the good stuff, and I had that thing of Jif up in the closet, and I was like, I got to have my peanut butter. I have a real issue. And so I grabbed it, and I took a bite of this stuff. Can I tell you, I tasted every sugar granule that was inside of this peanut butter. It was like I was chomping on rocks, you know? It was like sugar all in this thing. At first, I hated it. Day two, still too lazy to go get the good peanut butter, so I was like, all right, I'm going to have some more of this peanut butter, you know? Can I tell you, by like day or three or four, I stopped tasting that sugar? Kind of got used to it. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, actually, I kind of started craving it a little bit, you know? Like, this is the way it works for us, right? <laughs> we, 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 we have all of this great fruit to eat, <laughs> all of this great stuff to come spiritually, and then we go snack on the world. <laughs> we go snack on the way the world thinks. We get all upset the way the world gets upset. We high-five everybody in the world because we feel just like they do, and we're just on the same page as them. And meanwhile, we got all this fruit. <laughs> we got all this good stuff we can eat. God gave it to you so you could walk humbly on this earth and not look at your person on the left, not look at the person on the right. You can just walk straight. Man, I got all that I need. I got the fruit. I got, I got it all. And I can offer some to everybody else. Listen to this, Romans 6, 17 through 18. Thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching to which you were committed. And having been freed from sin, you've become slaves of righteousness. We're innocent again. You don't have to walk around with all the knowledge of all the evil in the world today. You can walk around innocently just saying, you know what, I see all of this, but I'm going to point you to the solution. I'm going to point you to the humble solution, the one who walked humbly on the earth and provided life to us. We're children of God. We're dependent upon him. Don't see yourself as a child of Adam anymore. Don't see yourself that way. Look at what Jesus said, Matthew 18. That time the disciples came to him and they said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Boy, what does that sound like? It sounds like every other human question ever asked. In other words, how can I be awesome? Who is the greatest? Jesus, I love this. He calls a child over to him and he goes, hey, you know what? Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Listen. I don't know if you remember as far back as when you were a small, small child. You were powerless. You couldn't go and do anything. You had to eat what your parents told you. You remember that? You remember getting a few meals that you were like, why? Like, this shouldn't happen. But you were powerless. <laughs> when you're powerless, it's really, really, really important to have a great dad. It's really important to have a great dad. And what's awesome is, what Jesus is saying is, is that you can be powerless as a child. Maybe on earth that makes you terrified because you didn't have a great dad. But you do have a great dad now, and so you can put it all down and be like a child and be powerless and go, Lord, I don't need to hold on to the power. I can trust you now, as a child should be able to do. <laughs> and I love he teaches this, and then just not two seconds later, Peter says this. He goes, okay, cool, cool, cool. How many times do we need to forgive people? <laughs> Peter, you know, or whoever disciple said it. See, we often think this way, right? This cyclical thinking of, okay, greatest, okay, I get it, but then what do I need to do to forget? And Jesus tells a story instead. He goes, I'll tell you what, you guys aren't getting this. 
He goes, I'm going to tell you a story about a king. And he goes, this king, uh, he was calling in everybody who owed money to him. And this, and this guy comes in, he owed, every, he, he owed so much money that the king basically said, I'll tell you what, I'm going to sell your family to pay for the debt because you, you owe so much. Very different time. <laughs> and in this moment, the, the man begs and he says, please have mercy on me. Please, God. I humbly ask to have mercy put upon me. And the king does. He says, okay, I, I forgive the entire debt. You can go. And this man, you would think, would have been changed by that. In the same way that you and I have been changed by grace, right? This humility should set in. And of course, you know the story. The man goes out and he calls, he calls everyone else's debts in and, and acts the complete opposite way. In other words, we have to be like children. The kingdom belongs to children. If you tell this story to a kid, do you know a kid will hear this and go, yeah, I want to go forgive everybody. That sounds great. Like, like kids hear that story and they go, oh, the king forgave all of the debt? That's awesome. I want to be like that. Kids are that way. Adults go, how many times, though, do I need to forgive? <laughs> like, what's the catch, right? <laughs> Listen, <laughs> you can choose in this world to be a victim. You can choose to be angry at everything. You can choose, you can choose, or you can choose humility. You can choose to let God's grace change everything around you, and you just be nourished by what he's given you in the Spirit. Like, this is where you and I can choose because we are children. It goes on to say that as children, we should grow up not in our understanding of evil. Stay innocent, he says, but grow in your understanding, mature in your understanding of how good God is. Look, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know all the different ins and outs in this room, but I know that we're all on the same page in one way, and that is we all need humility, not pride. Pride will continually put you back in the same exact spot you've been in over and over and over again, and you'll just get more and more mad about it. Humility comes over here and says, Lord, I, I give up. I'm going to trust and be fully dependent on you. I'm going to be a weak child, a powerless child, where maybe my life looks like the world is just taking advantage of me and running over me, and Lord, I know that's not true, because I see you. You wouldn't let that happen to your child. Brooke, if you want to come on up. I want to end with just two last thoughts. Um, when, the, when the pandemic first hit, you know, it was interesting to watch the pride just shoot through the roof. You know, I said that before. Everyone all of a sudden got all, I, I got it, I got it figured out. Walls went up everywhere. As a pastor, I was kind of sitting there just confused. And then, many of us began to find some kind of uh, peace or strength in pulling up old scriptures, right? And we do that often in, in, in our society. Rather than go sit with our dad, <laughs> come to him and let him speak to us, we'll go to what he used to say. <laughs> well, what did he say back there? You know, maybe that'll encourage me. And sometimes that works. I'm going to show you a demonstration of this in two different ways. I'm going to show you a Psalms, which is... A song which is super encouraging. I'm going to show you a, a verse here in Chronicles that got used over and over and over again. It's still probably being used as like the cure-all for the coronavirus. You know, if we would just get Chronicles down, the virus would go. And I, and I want to, I'm sarcastic, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, I just, I just I, I'm saying this in a joking way. And if you were somebody who posted this, don't feel bad. We're all humbly growing together, okay? But this verse, let's read it together, and let's see it for what it really means, okay? Because there's not, there's not hope here for you, in my opinion, okay? This is not where your hope comes from. Listen to this, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. The Lord's talking to Solomon, and he says this. 
The Lord appears to Solomon at night and he says, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice. Solomon's finally completed this task of the temple. You know, and, and, and God's like, okay, I'm going to live there. This is where my house is going to be. If I shut up the heavens so there is no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, and my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer offered in this place. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house that my name may be there forever and my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. Okay, we're talking about a temple that no longer exists. <laughs> Just so we're all clear. This was destroyed. And yet God says, I'm going to perpetually live here. <laughs> There's some things that mess with your mind if you don't understand the real temple that God has built. A temple not made with hands, right? We are this temple of God. We are a building where God lives. But this was a time when he still lived in buildings. <laughs> he still inhabited things. And if you messed up, it was a great cost. And so here he's saying, look, my heart is that if you will come and humble yourself, this is what God is always saying about himself. I will give grace. I will give to you. I will make these things happen. But he knows the people are prideful. <laughs> and so he says this, but this is not where our hope comes from. We're not going to go get on our faces and beg God and humble ourselves and the coronavirus is going to lift and we're all going to be good. Like that's not the way that it works anymore. That's good news, by the way. <laughs> That'd be really bad news if that was what our relationship with God looked like. No, our relationship is so much better than that. Now where we walk by the Spirit, we walk through viruses, we walk through everything. Not phased, honestly but at rest, saying, Lord, thank you. You're going to provide healing to this land as I humbly walk through it, offering what you have to offer. Like God's using you now. <laughs> We're the temple. We're the place where he dwells. And so I leave you with a psalm, Psalm 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. David got this. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do it. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in this way, because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Listen, cease from anger and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only leads to evil doing. For evildoers will be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord, they will inherit the land. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more, and you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. That's your promise. The humble delight themselves in incredible prosperity, even in the midst of storms, even in the midst of pandemics, even in the midst of unrest. Because of the humility and the gentleness and the meekness that we have, we can repent. We can change our minds. We can say, I'm going to stop thinking like Adam, who's always a victim. He's always mad about something. He's always needing something. And I think like a child of God, who's not in need of anything, who has things to pray about and exchange, and God, what are you doing here? And but ultimately, we can trust him. Amen? Lord, we love you so much. 
the fact that we don't even have to worry about evil people. <laughs> Lord, the world says that's all we should worry about. And God, you said we don't even have to worry about that. We can trust you even with them. Lord, we humble ourselves. We allow you to steer. <laughs> Lord, we know that all the strength, all the blessings, everything that we have is from you, and we thank you. We love you so much. This morning, I want to encourage you as we're going to worship here in a second. If, if, if you're somebody who has felt in this season especially like a doormat, like, man, I just, no matter what I do, well, we got good news. Humble yourself today. It's the exact opposite of what the world's going to tell you. The world's going to say you don't deserve that. I'm going to say humble yourself. Sit with God and say, hey, Dad, I need that quiet strength. He's going to pour into you right now. So go ahead and stand with me. Let's worship. Okay.